really need to tell better stories instead of complaining about it, right? What if we right. just start telling the stories and really flood the airwaves with something different? Welcome back to the podcast, uh, episode 27. And it's so good to be back. I don't know what happened to 2019. It was a blur. Uh, probably needed that. 2018 was uh, filled with a lot of grief and loss for me personally and my family. So 2019 was kind of uh, recalibrate ourselves to society. And so here we are. We're back. I've been sick for the last three weeks, but I'm working on setting up new interviews. I have three people to follow up with this week. Uh, and then I have some episodes coming up. We're going to talk about mentors and coaches. And then I think in February, right around the middle of February, when uh, all those resolutions that you set, um, you've already kind of forgotten about them and failed or whatever, felt like you failed. We'll do like a, a February reset for goals, talk about that a little bit. Um, but I'm excited. My One of my goals for 2020, I'm doing the... Um, if you follow Gretchen, oh, I forgot her name, but she does the happiness podcast. Uh, she's doing 20 for 2020. So set 20 goals. And so one of my goals is to do at least 12 podcast episodes this year. So I figure if I shoot for 12, then maybe I'll hit 15, 20. It would be nice if I had two a month, but uh, there's also a bunch of new things um, that we're rolling out at Devonair, which is where I serve and uh, probably talk about some of those um, in the next couple of episodes. I don't want to talk about them too much yet. We are um, kind of rolling those out to the congregation on January 19th. So I'll talk more about that. But I am going to see my dad in Alabama the end of January. And my dad's been down there for 10 years and I've been down there once. So kind of one of my other 20 one of my other 2020 goals is to get down there to see my dad um, and visit with him. So that'll be fun because he will probably introduce me to 50 new people on the first day that I'm there. My dad has lots of friends. He is an extrovert. Yes, he is. I did not inherit that from him. <clears throat> so anyway, my dad can have a conversation with a telephone pole and it would be actually interesting and exciting. That's just how he is. All right. So today I want to talk about Board of Ministry interviews. All right. So when I first started this podcast, a lot of it came out of, oh man, I just kind of got tired of hearing people from my own denomination. So I'm Nazarene. I got tired of hearing uh, women, young girls and adult women um, who had a call to ministry being told women can't be pastors. And I'm just like, really? Come on. We've been ordaining women since we were even officially a denomination since the late 1800s. So um, at some point, we just kind of need to get our poop in a group and just get on with it. You know, if uh, we're in the last days, uh, if we really believe that we are in the last days, then we need to have all of the players on the field, don't we? This is a pretty big deal. And so to have half of the players sitting on the bench is really pretty foolish if we 
are realistic about it. And then, um, and then there's the whole, you know, scripture thing. So anyway, that was kind of my starting this podcast really was to begin telling better stories, right? You think about the, the tape or the track that plays in your head over and over of why we can't do things. And so what if we just start telling stories that change, change that story? That women are being used uh, for the kingdom of God. And that our ministries, we don't have to be the next Beth Moore or Priscilla Shire to have, for our ministry to have value. Our ministry has value because we are obedient to Christ. That's why our ministry has value. So some of this was just encouragement, wanting you to hear what women are doing for the kingdom of God, how God is raising them up and using them in powerful ways, in small and medium and large contexts. My my goal, I think, was to be generic. Uh, so it doesn't matter. You don't have to be Nazarene to listen to this podcast. I know we have people who listen to this podcast who we have men who listen and we have some people who listen who aren't even ordained or planning on getting ordained. They just uh, serve as lay persons, strong lay persons in the church. So uh, I try to do that, but the reality is I do have a tribe and uh, my tribe is Nazarene. I'm an ordained elder in the church of the Nazarene. So I, I wanted to just take this episode and talk about meeting with your board of ministry. Uh, we have that coming up next week for our district. So in the Church of the Nazarene, we're broken up into districts and I sit on the board of ministry. So each year we interview people who are in the process. Some of them are just starting, some are in the middle. Uh, some will be interviewing this year to be ordained. Shout out to those of you who are listening who are of schedule to be interviewed for ordination. I am praying for you, but I want to talk a little bit about that. So the board of ministry, um, I just want to talk to some of you who you're like super, super new. You, you're just kind of starting this process. You're just questioning whether or not you even have a call to ministry. Once you begin sensing that you have a call to ministry, the first thing that we do is meet with our lead pastors. We are given a a local minister's license. Now that's voted on by your local church board. You have that local minister's license for one year. Um, it needs to be renewed every year by the church board. And you have permission to do ministry in your local context. So it's a little bit more than lay person, but you, you can't marry people. Um, you can participate if your pastor invites you to participate in serving communion. But you're really kind of starting that mentoring and coaching process. You're starting to take classes uh, for ordination. And in our denomination, there's a couple of different paths for that. We have Nazarene Bible College online. Uh, we have our seminary. Some of our districts have what is called course of study, um, classes that are being taught by ordained ministers, ordained elders who have a master's degree or greater. So there's different different processes. Once you've had your district license for at least, or your local license for at least a year, then you are eligible to meet with your pastor to ask him or her to recommend you 
to the district for a district license. Part of that process is going to involve interviewing with the Board of Ministry, sometimes called the Credentials Board. So when I was going through the process to be ordained at that time, I don't remember how many committees we had, but I know in my committee there were four, four people. Um, and then it seemed like it changed every year. So every year when I met with the Board of Ministry, I had different people. Um, definitely the, the group that I interviewed with for ordination was not the first. They were di completely different people from the first time I interviewed. But the first time I interviewed with the Board of Ministry, I really, I mean, I had been a Nazarene for, I don't know, maybe th three years. I was still, I was so, I'm still green when it comes to the Church of the Nazarene. I wasn't raised in the Church of the Nazarene. I wasn't raised in the Church, period. So, oh, so much of it was new. Um, but I remember just talking about my, how I came to faith in Christ, my call, how I received my call, um, talking about being sanctified in Christ and where I was serving in the Church. I was talking about my call and part, part of my story my prayer partner at the time, she'd been my prayer partner for two years. She came and prayed with me at the altar and her name was Betty Crowder. And so I mentioned kind of in my story, I said, oh, and then Betty Crowder came and prayed with me. But you know how sometimes you you just say somebody's name, you know that nobody knows who you're saying, but you just talk about a person like everybody knows who you're talking about. But ironically, somebody in my group says, oh, is that Jeff Crowder's mother to somebody else in the committee? And I was wise enough to know, don't say out loud, who's Jeff Crowder, <laughs> which I laugh now because he's my mentor. But it, that mo it was one of those moments where, when I was in that interview where I felt like God was saying to me, I've put people on this district who will help you. One of the th things I, I, I feel like I just want everyone who has to interview with the Board of Ministry I want you to, to remember that God has put people on your district and in your life and on your path. He has already ordained and raised up to help you. And some of those people you don't even know yet. Uh, the people who are my, I have a mentor and a coach right now, and I did not know them at all in those early days. Uh, but God already had ordained for them to come, for our paths to cross and that they would come alongside me and really pour into me. And so God has raised up people for you and, the, and your board of ministry and the people on your district and the people that he's putting in your path are there to help you. Our role is to come alongside of you and to help you be the best pastor that God has called you to be. So I think if you remember when you go into that first interview, that that is the purpose and the role of the board, that our, our, our desire is to help you be the pastor that God has created you to be, ultimately, to nurture that call, to point you in the right direction, to equip you, to raise you up, because the body of Christ is better when we help one another. And that uh, whether we like it or not, the church um, is interdependent on one another. And even as pastors, once we're ordained, we need one another. We're, we can't do this thing on our own. Even those of you who are introverts like me, we cannot do this on our own. We need one another. Okay, so if this is your first interview, here's some things that you may be asked. I hope you will be asked at your first interview. They should ask you to give your testimony how you came to faith in Christ. Are you able to articulate how Christ 
transformed your life. That experience of saving faith in Christ. For some, it it was very simplistic, uh, natural, organic, however you want to explain it. Um, for some of us, it was completely disruptive. So some of you have testimonies of coming to faith in Christ where you were like St. Paul, who was, you know, saw a bright light and it was very profound. And then, and then some of us, um, our testimonies are maybe a little bit more like, I think the 12, where you were walking with Jesus for three years. And then all of a sudden, oh, this is who Jesus is, right? That you had that like Pentecost moment where your eyes were open and you really saw who, who this Christ is and who he can be in your life. You were already doing life with Christ and then the reality came of who he was. Don't be afraid of your testimony. It's who you are. Christ is using that and has used that to shape you and make you the minister that you are and that you will be. And so you just lean into that testimony, but be able to articulate it. Um, you should be able to articulate uh, a sanctifying moment in your life where not only you were co- you completely surrendered your life to Christ, but that Christ came in, filled you with the Spirit, and gave you a desire to do His will. Um, gave you both the desire and the power to choose His will over your own and, and then begin to grow in Christ-likeness. So uh, you should be able to articulate that sanctifying moment in your life and then your call. Now, I think we confuse the call with a position. So your call is your call is very similar to your your salvation and your sanctification testimony. It is that moment when you know God has called you to set you apart and set you apart for ordained vocational ministry. It's not your position. Sometimes sometimes we know our our role when we get our call. Sometimes so sometimes you might have a call to ministry and in that call You say, all right, God is calling me specifically to youth ministry and to minister to these these teens in their super awkward, high hormonal time of life, right? That's just because your call, God has kind of woven in your passion for that group of people with your call. But you can have a call to vocational ministry and not know the role you're going to play. When I first... I uh, received my call to ministry. I thought God just wanted me to write some Bible studies, maybe teach and do some speaking. I, I really did not see planning a church was definitely not in my sights. Um, or even being a lead pastor was not in my sights. As I grew in not just my faith, but in my call, um, took more classes, God slowly began revealing that more and more. And I was actually already ordained when God called me to plant a church. Kind of watch that. I think that's what confuses a lot of people because they say, I don't really know my call. um, And they're confusing it with their role. My guess is if you're already preparing to meet with your board of ministry for your first district license, you know that you are called. You just need to accept that you are called. And some of that will come as you meet with mentors and coaches and take classes. Um, It will be affirmed. 
confirmed, reconfirmed through the process um, as you feel more confident in your call and in who you are in Christ. And then, so this is still your first interview. Uh, probably ask you something just about where you're serving, your passions, your dreams, what you might see God calling you to do. And it's okay to say, here's what I, I sense he's doing in my life. You haven't signed any contracts. It's okay if down the road God says, oh, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to go over here and plant this church. Or I want you to be, become a youth pastor, not a children's pastor. Or I want you to run this nonprofit ministry rather than uh, be a lead pastor. It's okay if that changes, that role changes down the road. We just want to know what is he already doing? What is he speaking to you now? Are you hearing him speak to you? Because um, if you're not hearing him speak to you now and there's no passions being raised up by the Spirit, then we begin to question, are you called? Because if we're called, the Spirit should be awakening things in you. So it's okay to talk about, here's some possibilities I see with God in my future. You're not, you're not signing a contract. It's okay. We're not going to ask you. We're not going to record it. Um, I'm not going to ask you to sign in blood. It's all right. We just want to know what he's doing in your life. So, uh, so breathe. Take a deep breath you know, before, maybe in the middle of your interview and at the end of your interview, um, you're going to be all right. Okay, so now you're interviewing for ordination. If you are nervous, excellent. I am very glad you should be nervous. This is an important moment in your life. If you're married, I'm guessing probably the day before your wedding, maybe even if you're a woman, then Moments before you walked down the aisle, you were nervous. I hope you were nervous. It was a big deal. You were making a commitment and making promises to, you know, one person for the rest of your life. And so the same is true. You're, this is an important moment. We are uh, making a lifetime commitment to serve Christ and his church. And so you should be nervous. That's okay to be nervous. We expect you to be nervous. We want you to be nervous. If you came in and you told us you are not nervous at all, and you, I would think you were either not called or maybe a psychopath. So we want you to be nervous, all right? I was so nervous that I dropped all of my note cards on the floor. And I'm like, if they vote yes, I'll just be so glad that I don't ever have to do this again. And so... Here's a couple things ahead of time you can do. First of all, meet with your mentor and or your coach before your interview. I'm going to talk about mentors and coaches in an episode down the road a little bit. Hopefully you have a mentor at this point before you're getting ordained. Uh, if your district doesn't do that, then you need to get a mentor. So six years ago, we really established that every candidate needed to have a mentor going through the process. And they need a mentor from day one that they receive their district license until they are ordained. And so if your district doesn't do that, let me tell you that you need a mentor. Uh, they should be someone who is ordained. And I would recommend that you find a Nazarene who is ordained. There are lots of great pastors out there who are not part of our denomination but you're going to have questions about the process and they won't be able to help you. 
If the only one you can find to start with is non-Nazarene, but they are ordained, I would at least start there. Um, like I said, I'm going to talk about how to find mentors and coaches and the difference between them a little bit down the road. So stay tuned for that. If you're like in a pinch and you're like, I really need to find a mentor, DM me. Okay, here's a couple practical things. Bring notes. Uh, I had note cards, just three by five cards with some bullet points on there. We all get stage fright, performance anxiety, whatever you want to call it. If you're an introvert, it's probably even more intense. Um, and so I just found that bullet points were enough to trigger a thought so that I could begin talking rationally uh, and not freaking out. So I, I highly recommend that. Uh, bring your Bible. We are not opposed to Bibles at the Board of Ministry. We actually think you should be using them. So feel free to bring them. Have some pages bookmarked. We prefer if you would use some scripture to support your theological answer uh, to uh, doctrinal questions. That would really be great. Highly, highly recommend you use scripture in answering doctrinal questions. Uh, and then I would say, okay, so here's my tip. Dress accordingly, right? If you are going for your ordination interview, I highly recommend that you wear a suit. If you are a woman, at least wear a blazer. If you don't want to have a full suit on, at least wear a blazer. There are resources out there where you can pick some up at a decent price um, if money is an issue. Uh, check your local thrift stores. They always have um, deals going on throughout the year basic black or navy blue, whatever. Thread Up is an app out there. You can also, I think you can also find it online. So threadup.com. I'll put that in the show notes. You can pick up some blazers pretty cheap um, there. I still shop at Thread Up because, you know, I wear blazers on Sunday morning when I preach. So that's just my two cents about dressing accordingly. Say what you want to say. Yes, it's all about the heart and it's all spirit spirituality, you know, we, where your spirit is and, and who you are in Christ and all of that. The reality is that in our culture, people wearing a uniform or a blazer, so something with a collar, subconsciously tells our brain in our culture that they're a person with authority. You're going, you're going in for an interview to be ordained to be a pastor. You are a person with authority, under authority. And so you should present yourself that way. Um, you have been given a great privilege, which is to take the gospel into all of the world. And you have an entire denomination that is going to support you in doing that and, and put their stamp of approval on you. So come to your meeting as one who is in authority and under authority. All right. So not just how you dress, but also in your spirit. Remind yourself of that. Okay, so I highly recommend that you review all of the Articles of Faith. Uh, you can find them in your manual. You can find them in the hard copy. You can also find them online. Uh, please review all of them. And then especially review Article 10, which is the Doctrine of Entire Sanctification. There are a lot of people that we have not ordained because they could not articulate the Doctrine of Entire Sanctification. It is the core of our denomination. We believe that the Spirit of God has the power to transform lives, and that when we are filled with the Spirit of God, He can transform us. He breaks generational curses by the power of His Spirit. 
He breaks uh, addictions. He changes hearts and lives and minds. Um, that is crucial to the denomination. So you need to know that inside and out. If you want to write out a manuscript uh, and then read it back to your coach or your mentor ahead of time and say, hey, these are good. Uh, again, please use scripture when you're talking about the article of entire sanctification. Um, we would prefer you use scripture for all of them, but you know, especially that one would be really great. And then I'm just going to tell you, if you're listening and you're going through the process to be ordained and you're on my district, you will probably be asked this question. Why does the Church of the Nazarene ordain women? And please use scripture to support your answer. And you will probably also be asked the question to articulate the doctrine of our Wesleyan view of scripture. It's very distinct from a Calvinist view of scripture. So that's a little heads up for those of you who are on my district who happen to be listening this to this. You will be asked those questions because um, if somebody else doesn't ask them, I probably will. So, so that the last thing is breathe. You didn't get to this point accidentally. We've created and designed our process to help you. You've been invited because we believe you're ready. Um, and so if you do your prep work, you will be just fine. And my guess is if you got to that point of your interview and they choose not to ordain you, probably what they'll say is, let's wait a year and come back again. We, we want you to be able to articulate these things a little better. So unless you basically walk into your interview and say, hey, I'm not really sure that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and, you know, whatever, I, I can pretty much go with anything, you're, you're probably going to be all right if you stick with uh, the basics. Please don't do that either. Please don't, please don't come in and say, well, I'm not really sure if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Although nowadays I'm wondering if maybe we shouldn't talk about that article of faith, whatever. Okay, and then here's the last thing I want you to know about your your interview with Board of Ministry, specifically your ordination interview. This is the beginning, not the end. Once you're ordained, that kind of really is the beginning. Man, we have so much more to learn once we're ordained. Uh, I think once we're ordained, we realize how little we actually know. And once you're ordained, you start there starts to become this sense within you that you want to help those who are coming behind you to be their advocate. You know, sometimes uh, I, t I tell my congregation, there are things that we go through where I've never been there before, right? So we're, we're locking arms and we're going through it together. Uh, but then there's things that we've been through and we, we know what it's like and we know it's tough. And so our job is to reach our hand back and to help somebody else walk through it. So once you're ordained, you kind of get to start the thing all over again uh, by helping others. and continuing to learn will never will never be John Wesley says the the longer I follow Christ the more I realize how little I know right that we all have a lot to learn it makes me think of when I got my black belt the day after I received my black belt our first day of training our instructor said and now the learning begins and the first thing we did was he taught us how to tie our belt and we started working on white belt kicks and techniques because you're always working on the basics. The basics are the basics for a reason. They are the foundation to everything that we do. It's why we keep reading scripture, even though we've read through it three or four times. 
because the basics are the basics. That's why we had we continue to cultivate our relationship with Christ because the basics are the basics for a reason. They are the foundation of every, everything we do. And if the foundation is solid, then the rest of the structure is less likely to topple. All right, so that's my 30 cents, I guess, because it's like 30 minutes long. Uh, for the new year, good luck. I guess I shouldn't wish you luck. That's kind of like anti-Jesus, but whatever. Uh, I'm praying for you. It's going to be all right. I believe in you. That's not all cliches. It really is true, because if you're listening to this, I have enough faith to know that God has ordained that our paths should cross, and this is what you need to hear today. You're going to be okay, and God is for you, not against you. 